2020 was a pause. We looked at ourselves almost like in a mirror with probably mostly through our phone <laughs> and we saw ourselves. And I think now, you know, as we hopefully come out of this pandemic, it's important that we don't just go back to what we were doing. When I think about team culture, I think about shared experiences and I think about shared language. So that's what we want to do. We want to give these young people shared experiences where they're in the fight together and they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And then we want to give them vocabulary and safe spaces to express themselves so they can have shared language around this, around this subject of race. I'm Eric Neckley, principal of the incredible Page High School in Greensboro. And I'm Marcus Gauss, uh, the proud principal at the amazing T. Winga Andrews High School, the greatest high school in all of the land. Eric and I are the co-founders of Great Expectations and hosts for the episode of the Bright Futures podcast. This is part of a three of a three-part series. Um, and so we're creating a safe space where we can have conversations about race because we think it's just that important. So we are really excited to welcome Tom Walter, baseball coach at Wake Forest University, and his former player, Kevin Jordan. Tom and Kevin are also co-founders of Get in the Game. You know, Marcus and I are getting ready to kick off another great school year um, in Guilford County Schools, the best year yet, and then obviously at our schools as well. Um, but we all do, all around this table, do know that last year was a very tough one um, for students and educators alike. Um, everyone was still dealing with the effects of the pandemic whether that be socially, emotionally, physically, academically, all those types of things came into play. I still think we're in the midst of that and we'll still feel those effects um, for a few years at least to come. Um, but we decided to, at Page, decided to pilot the program um, with some of our sports teams. And I saw the difference that I, that, that made. Um, you've already spoken a little bit about our basketball team. Um, I saw I had some great dialogue with some of our track athletes at the end of last year and just sort of picking their brain, hey, how'd that first session go yesterday? Just to see what the response was. And it was so powerful hearing like this is one of the best things I've ever done. It's it's really neat to hear my my um another player on my team's perspective on a specific issue. Um I also talked to some of our parents about it that were really excited that we were willing to start having some of those conversations in schools. Cause I know when Marcus and I co-founded Great Expectations, that was one of the things that we really talked about, that we didn't have a safe place growing up um, to talk about race. So how do you guys both think um, the work or the bonds on the field, how do those translate um, into the classroom or other spaces in the school? Yeah, I think on the on the pandemic thing and, and 2020, to honestly, to point at that, that year and everything that happened that summer, we won't get those years back. I think that we use tools like get in the game and change the way we handle at least this one issue where we've kicked it under the rug. Uh, 2020 was a pause. We looked at ourselves almost like in a mirror with probably mostly through our phone <laughs> and, and, and we saw ourselves. And I think now, you know, as we hopefully come out of this pandemic, it's important that we don't just go back to what we were doing. We take some of the things that, that worked when in this transition process and move forward. Uh, I think getting the game has set itself up to handle this conversation um, in groups, in small groups, in an intentional way, facilitated by a trained facilitator. And now, you know, hopefully we stay in the counties of Guilford and Forsyth County and we bring up a generation 
that have had these conversations. We've broken down those barriers and we've handled that issue because we took a step back forcefully in 2020 because of the pandemic that we had no choice over, but it changed the way that we looked at this very real issue. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about team culture, obviously at Wake Baseball, and it's something we're super intentional about um, because it makes all the difference. And when I think about team culture, I think about shared experiences and I think about shared language. So that's what we want to do. We want to give these young people shared experiences where they're in the fight together and they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And then we want to give them vocabulary and safe spaces to express themselves so they can have shared language around this, around this subject of race. So I feel like if we do that, and we've got a great exercise with getting the game where we, you know, I think it's the second or third session, I should know that, where we send these kids home to have a conversation with their parents or their extended family or whomever around the dinner table where you have a conversation about race with the people around you. And again, just getting that out onto the table, learning to listen, learning to respect the opinions of others, learning to assume positive intent. You know, mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're, we're quick to judge, we're quick to, to cast aspersions. But if you assume positive intent and you give somebody the, the benefit of the doubt, like I could, when that gentleman said to me, when my friend said to me, can you do that? Isn't Kevin Black? I could have stormed out of the room and been mm -hmm. mad, but I thought about it for a second. I was like, wait a minute, that's not a racist question. That was just a, you know, him just not understanding science. So these, we have these conversations all the time in our life. And so if we can if, get these kids to, to share those experiences in that language and then take that message home and into their community and just help those around them get a little better. I, one of the sayings my, my team hears all the time is rising tides raise all ships. So if we can just get everybody a little incrementally better each and every day, then one of these days we're going to look up and we're not going to be having this conversation. Anymore. Absolutely. That's how it meant. That vocabulary is big. Vocabulary is people don't know how to talk to people that didn't grow up like they grew up. Right. That That's huge. And especially in, in Forsyth County, I know for sure in Guilford County, there's going to be people that don't look like you. There is, uh, I think the... The Hispanic um, population is growing. Black population is growing and everything's almost about, it's going to even out at 33, 33 and, or whatever the numbers, numbers may be. Right. People will not look like you and you need to be able to communicate um, with that. And the vocabulary, I think, is one of the most important things that we do. And, you know, in addition to what you mentioned with active listening and being able to listen first and, and not in, assume uh, negativity uh, creates a positive feedback loop. but I agree with everything coach said. It's, it, it takes a group to build an environment. I hope that, you know, our getting the game groups, various uh, getting the game groups across the two counties do that. Absolutely. And hopefully that'll continue to grow as we all want it to. Um, so one of the other things that we, when we were looking at your website and doing some work with you guys, that was just sort of just blew my mind a little bit in one way. And then in another, another uh, way did not was that, 38% of parents um, say that they regularly discuss race and ethnicity. So a little bit of background on that piece. I mean, 10 to 15 years ago, you know, I, I remember getting shoved down my throat to say, I don't see color, right? You guys probably remember some of that. And looking back at that, it's just like, wow, we're really saying that. Marcus and I have, have had lots of conversations, obviously, about race. And one of the things that I've shared openly is, we talked about that whole, as him as African-American male, him getting pulled over or his son who will be driving very soon, his experience getting pulled. Yeah, I know that's scary, right? Mm. 
his experience getting pulled over is quite different from mine, but it is my job as a white male to talk to my white sons and my bonus child who happens to be black about those differences. That's my, my part in creating a great place and a safe place to live for everyone. So we know these are hard conversations to have. Do you have those types of conversations on the field? And do you have those types of conversations with parents? I'll start this one. Uh, you should see the look on your kids' faces when we told them that we were going to ask them to talk about race with their parents. They are, I mean, kids are at, at first to have that conversation with their parents and very open to having that conversation with their peers. Uh, I think what getting the game does is create a positive feedback. So we've, we've had positive experience talking about race and society with our peers until we ease them in the process of, of, of taking those conversations home and then into their community and then with whoever. Uh, so yeah, it is, uh, it, I haven't talked to any parents, um, um, yet, but I'll be working within a school system full-time and working with getting the game also. And that'll be something, a conversation that I have to be prepared to have with every one of my students' parents as an eighth grade social studies teacher. All right. So coach, talk to us a little bit about that at the collegiate level. And maybe as you talk to parents when you're recruiting student athletes, what that looks like. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, I, I think I have a responsibility and, and an obligation to diversify my roster, um, to put our players um, in front of people, as Kevin says, that don't look like them, because I think that just makes you a better, more well-rounded person. So that's something that is is uh, near and dear to my heart for a lot of different reasons. H how we talk about it is, we, so we read a team book every year. So I'll give you a for example about how we talked about this just last year, um, last season. So we read a book called Brothers Forever, and there's a there's a kind of a scene in the book where one of this young man who was 15 years old was at a pizza parlor back home with his with his um, with his black friend, and they wouldn't serve his black friend pizza. You know, and, you know, it's just incredible um, to think that, you know, again, these things are happening so close to 2022. And um, he went up and he ordered three slices of pizza and he said to the guy, what you're doing isn't right. And he handed his friend two slices of his pizza. And so we use that story to tell our, to, to kind of give our guys, um, empower our guys to speak up. You know, I think the thing we can give these kids is a voice and get them to understand that, again, not only is it their responsibility to speak up, but it's they should they should be looking for opportunities to speak up in those situations where they see wrongdoing. And I'm not saying just about race, about whatever they right. see that's, that's wrong. So again, for us, it gets back to information, resources, and opportunity. Um, if we give them the information and the resources and the opportunity to have these conversations, and they feel empowered to where they can use their voice and take action in those moments, you know, then, then we win. Did you hear how he dealt with that situation in the book, Eric? I just want to make sure you took note of that. Which part? About the pizza. Like, he gave his friend some pizza. There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There were no cussing, no police, none of that, okay? <laughs> because that's what his approach would probably be. I would just be like, give me your keys and your wallet so I can get you out because you're not going to hush until... You know, so I think that in those types of situations, you got to have like really strong voices around you. Um, and I think that one of the most important pieces I just talked about was just like empowerment like that, just giving them the voice, like giving them the information. Like, I think that that's that that's powerful. Like giving out one mission to go. No, I think I think coach said it all um, when you're in a room with 
people that are from, you know, I know when I played for you, there are kids from California from my first roommate was from, from California and they, they don't know you from Adam and they can, they can just see who you are. They can see what you look like. And because we're in the same locker room, because we're all, you know, we ha have the same goal, we should be able to one, stand up for one another and, and be vocal about it. And back to the, to the parent thing, I think because when we when they, when we send our kids home to bring this race conversation home, it goes hand in hand with our head event, with our kindness, ethnic dignity, diversity event that we have at the end of the year. And they get to see their kid with what we've been doing in these sessions, because increasingly parents want to know what's going on in their school. And I think, all right, that's fine. Then, then be willing to have this conversation. So, right. you, you know, know, now if we're going to be, if we're going to be, you know, concerned about what happens in a social studies class, like be willing to, or in a get in the aim session, be willing to have these conversations with us in a, in a positive way. Mm -hmm. One, one of the really cool things about this generation is they don't think like their parents. I love that about them. You know, when I was growing up, you know, if, if your dad was a Yankee fan and he was a Democrat, you know, then that's what you were. If your dad was a racist, then you were right. um, in, my, in my hometown. But these kids today, they're not wired like that. They question and they ask why, and they'll think differently than their parents and they'll be proud of it. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not for us to tell these kids what to think or what to do, but we need to give them, it is our responsibility and obligation to give them information, resources, and opportunities so they can make a really good decision about right. who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you said something that was really powerful too, that I keep hearing resounding, like the the relationship and connectivity that you have with individuals, like a conversation that a child can have with their parents is going to be received and, and perceived differently than a teetotal stranger um, having this conversation with an adult. Just like you were talking about your friends, if you perceived like this is coming from a bad place and that's how you would have dealt with it. But that being a friend of someone that you you knew, I know who he was, I know who he is, and this is not him. So your response was different just because you knew him. So I think that there's definitely power about the relationship piece. And and I keep hearing that. And the other piece is that we do. I think every one of us are in those roles and positions that we have a, we have an obligation to diversify staff, regardless of where we are. I work in a majority minority school, high poverty, high needs. And so whenever we see 90% of black and brown students in a building, then it's also important for one, for them to see themselves in, in positions in the building, but it also for, is important for them to be able to see others' backgrounds, nationalities, religious, sexual orientation, simply because that's going to be the world in which they walk into that they have to live in. Um, so I do think it, it, it kind of goes both ways there. So I appreciate you definitely lifting that up, but let, let's drain for a little bit, right? Let, let's think like big picture like in a, 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 a society that we have all kind of dreamed about. So what would it be like if, if, if we had safe spaces in our schools to talk about issues like race? And what would that look like? Coach is a big dreamer. I am a big dreamer. I mean, again, I, I, maybe it would look like you just have areas of schools that are no judgment zones, you know, where you, you post signs. I, I, I believe in signage. I believe in putting things out there and, and, having lines of demarcation. So maybe you have no judgment zones in your school where a kid can go in there and say anything he wants and be and be heard with no response. I think, again, one of the things we do really well with getting the game and one of the reasons the curriculum is, is brilliant, one of the first things we do is teach kids how to listen. Because mm. that's the first thing. Like you can't, like, 
we can't get to learning and we can't get to action until we first listen. And I, I was telling Kevin this before we walked in here, you know, we have so many people in our lives that tell us what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. Our parents, our girlfriend, in our case, the baseball player's agent, his hitting coach. But we need to be the person in these kids' lives who tells them what they need to hear. But we can't tell them what they need to hear unless we first open their hearts. Like they've got to be able to receive that message. And if we haven't opened their heart, they're not going to receive that message. So again, finding a way to open their hearts so they can receive that message and, and how you do that in the schools is I think you just have to be super intentional about those spaces. You have to provide time for it. You have to make it important. I talk to our players all the time about like, don't tell me your faith is important to you, but you're not spending time every day on it. Like, they'll tell me your family's important to you, but you don't spend time every day on it. You know, so if, if, this is if this is truly important to us, then we've got to be super intentional about creating the spaces and opportunities and allotting the time for these things. Absolutely. Show me where you spend your time and I'll show you your priorities. That's important. Yeah. And, and helping these kids. I mean, again, one of the things we also talk about is if you want to know who you are, look at the five people around you. Like, look at your five closest people and you're the average of those five people. We've got to help these kids surround themselves with the right people that are of like minds. And again, whatever their path is, not for us to tell them that, but they've, they've got to surround themselves with, with good people with, that are like-minded. So different spin, just on, on that same topic, like what difference would that make in the lives of kids or even in the world? I think when we started this, for me, I saw a country that just wasn't on the same page mm -hmm. where we saw things happening uh, what happened with Ahmaud Arbery and, and George Floyd. And, you know, from where I stood, I was like, I think we should all have seen this the same way. Um, as a country, you know, build on life, uh, liberty, pursuit of happiness and, and, and phrases like that. And, and we weren't. Um, instead, we had intentional stereotypes, bias that showed up and, and showed up more and some, some uh, yeah, not intentional. I think what getting the game does and what I've seen it do is take away those unintentional biases that in turn turns into, I, I have to look at this person differently because they said something that they didn't even know would, I would feel certain, a certain way about. Mm -hmm. They just don't have the cultural, cultural competence to, to know that that's a har harmful statement to say. So on a very, you know, non-big dreamer thing, I think it's a small thing to ask is, can we limit, can we take down the zero, the unintentional biases, take those down and, and start from there? I think most, most kids are decent. Uh, most kids want to be decent to each other. No one wants to be the kid that is ostracized because he's the, the person that nobody wants to talk to. I think it starts with some unintentional biases because we didn't get to see people that didn't look like us growing right. up. That's right. My parents thought this about these people. I heard them every, every day yelling at the news about these people. And now I start seeing them show up and I, I say something that my parents might've said. And, 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 and now we, we got to fight. So yeah, so they want to have less fight. And, yeah. it, and in Eric's school, dream big, right? That's your, that's, that's right. That's your motto. Dream big. And I just love, I'm sure Andrews has a great one too. Just believe. Just believe. Well, believe is another, that's another good one. Um, but, but point is, is, you know, getting these kids to believe and or dream big, that at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, that's how you, that's how you make the real difference is, the, is getting these kids to understand that anything's possible. And getting these kids, I had that person in my life growing up 
that that led me to believe that I could do anything in my life. And these kids, a lot of these kids don't have that person in their life. And and it's our job as educators, teachers, and parents to to help them find that person. And um, once you've found that person and you have that roots and wings, we talk about it all the time. We Roots are based in love and from love comes confidence and from confidence comes wings. And that's the ability to do anything with your life. And again, at the end of the day, that's how you change the world is one student at a time, one school at a time, one community at a time. And you get these kids to dream big and believe that they can do anything. I think yeah. our, our facilitators had have had chances to be that one person for the kids that they've gotten to hang out with for the 12 sessions. I've facilitated some groups and I've connected with some kids for those 12 sessions. And Freddie and Devin, they've gotten to come to the classroom, our co-executive directors. They've gotten to do that. And with those 12 sessions, as much as you can, build a relationship. And now you've had that one positive relationship that can change your mind about the capability of of or maybe change your mind about what you believe about society. I think that was that was one thing that I think we saw at, at Page is maybe some minds got changed about what they believed about society. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to go back to one thing before we move on to the vocabulary piece that we always like to wrap up our, our sessions with. But you, KJ, you talked a little bit about that bias, and I think that bias is so key, whether it be unintentional or intentional in some cases. Um, and I, I know you guys heard Marcus give me a hard time about you know, getting the cops called, that never happens. So let's, <laughs> let's make this clear. What I think we all need too is different people pushing the envelope and calling other people on that bias or calling other people on something that isn't right. So I know he has many stories where, you know, I don't know truly how he feels or how you, you feel, Kevin, as African-American male, but I do know what's wrong. And when I see it, I've got to call that on it. And, you know, he, he's the brother from another mother, as we always call it. So nobody's going to mess with him. So that that causes me to get amped up a little bit sometimes. And that's why we're a good mix, because we balance each other out. But I think that bias piece is so key. And I think the other piece talking about bias is, is also um, there are certain situations based on things that I've experienced or that we've experienced, even as a, as a, as a people, right, that I have grown numb to. And sometimes you just put those things off to the side, right? And you don't push those. So there have been instances where, where I need individuals to push me. Like, you can't, I know you're numb to this, but you can't keep stop fighting. Like, you got to keep pushing. So that's been his voice in a lot of different situations. It's like sometimes you're when you fought for so long, there's certain battles you just don't don't take on. You know, either I mean? numb or you're exhausted. Right. 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 Yeah. All right. So let's let's get a little bit to that common vocabulary to talk about racism. So how would each of you define racial profiling? It's the brain cheating. The brain cheating to create an idea about a person based on a person or group based on race. I think that that's as simple as, as I can put it. It's your brain is going to go to what you've seen, um, whether it's intentional. And I think for racial profiling, let me, let me think about it. I think that's going to be something that's, that's going to be intentional where you say they always do this or, or, or that. So yeah, it, it's something that I would, I think we've brought up in, in classes when we talk about stereotypes and bias and prejudice, I think racial profiling um, goes in that. And also when you do that, it guides action. That's where we get the huge problems. And when your the racial profile you create about a group guides some action that you're gonna make, that's when we fall into, um, into dangerous territory. 
I, I really like how you use that, started that off with the brain, because right. obviously we can, we can change the brain. Those are things we can learn. Um, so I thought that was really good there. Yeah. Coach, how about you? No, I think uh, Kevin nailed it, obviously. I mean, the one word that comes to mind is assumptions. You know, we're making assumptions based on, on somebody's race. And those, we all have spent many times saying what happens when you assume uh, we know how that word spells out. So point of the matter is, is, you know, I don't think we should ever make assumptions about anything. Let's listen. Let's learn. Again, let's, let's be curious, as Ted Lasso says, um, and, uh, and, uh, and not make any assumptions about anybody for any reason. We certainly don't like it when people make assumptions about us. Why would we do that to others? So one more word today. Um, this word often gets misunderstood. How would you define privileged, each of you? Go ahead, you go first. I think it's an advantage that's given by society that you didn't earn. It could be your background. It could be your your history. And uh, I think it's something that people have gotten confused with. If you have privilege, you're wrong or you're, you know, you mm -hmm. owe something. I think the best way that we can move to have a better relationship with privilege is to either or both bring someone else up allow somebody the privilege that that you may have or break just simply break down a barrier that gives another person um the ability to get where you may have been able to get because of the privilege that you had yeah i think it does get misunderstood because now i look at myself i had both parents both grandparents and you know i realized that if you even look just look at the statistics I'm a very privileged person for having that. So th that doesn't make me wrong, but also I have to have the grace and realize that grace for another person that may not have that. And, you know, that's my relationship with privilege. If I had to define it, that's, you know, that's the example I would use and that's the definition I would use. Yeah, I think um, to add to that a little bit, you know, I think adding the words beyond the advantages of most, I think are important to the definition of privilege. You know, you're given something that most don't have, whatever that is. And, and again, that's nothing that, that you had a conscious choice about, something you chose, but you were born into that. So what comes with that, I think, is responsibility. Mm. When you're born into privilege, uh, you have a responsibility to pay that forward, to be a man of service over self, to ensure that future generations have the same privileges that you had and that everybody at the end of the day has equal opportunity in a level playing field. Like to me, that's what we want in getting the game. At the end of the day, what we're driving towards is that everybody, what I want is that everybody that comes through our program wakes up every morning and they can't wait to get out of bed Absolutely. and attack their day. And, they, and they're dreaming big about their future. They believe, they have somebody who believes in them and they just, they're looking at the world filled with endless possibility. Like to me, my job as somebody who was born of privilege, not because we had any money, because we didn't, but I was born into a family where education was important and they helped me get to college. And, you know, now I'm the Wake Forest baseball coach and I'm thankful for that every, every single day of my life um, that I get to do this great job. But because of that, I have a responsibility to make sure everybody that I can impact has that same opportunity. Great. Like, I, I'm going to tell you, this, this has been a, a great session, great conversation. Um, you all have shared some some powerful 
um, even for us, you share some powerful nuggets that we'll, we definitely will take back and apply kind of as we move forward. But I, I just wanted to thank you all for sharing your story. I, I think that it is important that we continue to do that. We are greatly appreciative to the work that you all are doing just to kind of make the world a better place. Now, as it relates to me and Andrews High School, we've been watching from the sideline. And so you know what? We are ready to get in the game. On behalf of Guilford Education Alliance, thank you for listening to the Bright Futures podcast. Thanks for listening. And you can help us build great schools by sharing this podcast with others. Let's stay connected. GEAMC.org.